Welcome to the Q for Two, your podcast companion for learning all about your favorite theme park attractions. Whether listening at home or while waiting in the queue, we'll fill you in on all the information you need to get the most out of your ride experience. I'm your host, Matthew, and joining me as always is my fellow Tiki Room enthusiast, Ryan. Today, we're talking all about my favorite ride in Adventureland, Jungle Cruise. Ryan, would you do me the honors and go on this cruise with me? Sure. (laughs) Tell me, Ryan, do you know of the Jungle Cruise? Am I crazy? Is the Jungle Cruise overrated, underrated? Tell me your thoughts up front. I've got to know before we get started. Well, so I certainly know the Jungle Cruise, Matthew. It's a pretty popular attraction in Disney history. I will say it's not a must go to every trip for me, but it is one of the only attractions that still has the presenter led aspect of the ride. And for that reason, I really love it. And I think that's a really unique, fun part of the attraction. Oh, that's exciting. I, I'm, I'm kind of sad that you don't love it as much, but that's why I'm leading this episode, because this is a must ride for me every time. And I am so excited to tell you everything that I've learned about this episode. So if you're ready, we'll just jump right into it and we'll set sail on the Jungle Cruise. Let's get this party boat started. Heck yeah. Let's just jump into it. All right. So first, as usual, we are going to start with the history of the ride. And this we're going to take a little bit of a detour. Because this ride actually started at Disneyland, and it was an opening day attraction at Disneyland in 1955. Now, that is a pretty big deal for the Disneyland park. Not only was this ride something that Walt himself was credited for the idea, every iteration that I saw of the early park ideas that Walt ever had always included this exotic jungle ride. That is insane to me. Yeah, that that was my understanding, too, that apparently like from super early concept art, there was always a section of the park that had some iteration of a boat ride through a tropical jungle, which I agree is very cool that that is part of Walt's original brainchild for what Disneyland was supposed to be. Exactly. And what's crazy, if people didn't realize, and we'll get into more about what the ride is actually here in a little bit, but The way that the ride works is that it is a water ride that you're going through this lush jungle landscape. And Walt's original idea was that he wanted real animals to line the um, riverbed. And as you're going by, seeing these crocodiles and hippos and elephants, and all this sort of thing. Obviously, for a normal theme park, not feasible. So they decided to swap those animals out for mechanical animals, which I always find very interesting. And it actually, apparently from what I was reading, led to the creation of the safari at Animal Kingdom. And so a lot of people sort of credit that as it was really Walt's idea. Obviously, he didn't get to see it happen, but it was Walt's idea uh, taking full effect uh, with the Kilimanjaro safaris, which is always a lovely nod. Yeah, I think it would be really awesome for Walt to be able to see that because from my understanding, Walt was wanting to bring this like jungle trek experience to a lot of people that couldn't necessarily travel to those parts of the world. But like you said, having real animals, just the upkeep involved in that, and then also the variability that like a lot of animals sleep during the day and it would be hard for people to see them made that not really feasible for Disneyland's opening. But man, for him to be able to see Animal Kingdom today and the Kilimanjaro safaris, I think that would tickle Walt Pink, if you will. Oh, yeah, for sure. And talking about those mechanical animals we mentioned, those are still in use in the ride. A lot of them 
or some of the originals, you know, there have been some updates we'll get into in a little bit. But one thing I found that was really interesting was that the crew that actually designed and helped design some of the original mechanical animals was actually the crew that worked on the movie at the time. Uh, Ryan, do you happen to know what movie that was? Delving into my deep knowledge of <laughs> Disney movies and Disney experiences, I'm going to say 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That's it. You nailed it. And I think a lot of our research has overlapped, of course. We've seen a <laughs> lot of the same stuff. But yes, yeah, specifically the work on the giant squid. Obviously, I've never seen that movie, but I do know that there's a giant squid that has some mechanical pieces and parts. And so that special effects team that sort of perfected, you know, a lot of the behind the scenes work on that movie was pulled in by Walt. And that was sort of a theme about this ride and some of the other rides is that Walt was really good about keeping his folks, you know, putting them in different places, pulling people from animation, putting them into the theme park business, pulling people from all over the place, which I always find like super exciting when you start looking into the history and like some of the main people uh, behind the ride. It's super cool. The plethora of different backgrounds that Disney Imagineers come from and how they bring their unique crafts into making these attractions full-on experiences. And Matthew, I do have to say, if you've never seen the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea movie, you should see it. I have fond memories as a child of checking out the VHS tape from the local library. <laughs> it's, a, it's a banger. It's a solid, solid Disney movie. I'll have to go check out my local... Um library see if they even have vhs's anymore <laughs> dig a dig a vhs player out of an estate sale or somebody's exactly. closet <laughs> oh that's perfect so speaking of some of those key figures that we talked about a second ago that walt really liked to you know move around there are three main people that i want to talk on when we're talking about the history of this ride the first is harper goth he's actually one of the lead imagineers that helped to bring this ride to life with uh, Walt's original idea. He actually helped him create this ride based on a movie at the time called The African Queen, which I had never heard about. I didn't know. You do have the movie based on the ride, but then the ride is also based on a movie, an older movie called The African Queen that I just didn't even realize was a thing. Yeah, no, I will say, you know, I'm a movie person. And so like the 20,000 yep. Leagues Under the Sea, that's one that I knew and I've seen several times. The only reason I've ever heard the other movie's name is, I'll give a little shout out, I've been watching the Behind the Attraction show on Disney+, Plus, and they mm -hmm. talked about that for the Jungle Cruise episode. Never heard of it before that, <laughs> <laughs> and definitely have never seen it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Other things that they based it on was actually Disney's True Life Adventures documentary. Uh, apparently, there are just loads of beautiful documentaries from back in the day that Walt helped create that also helped bring this idea to life of an exotic jungle ride, you know, bringing it to the people, the everyday man that wouldn't be able to, you know, go to Africa and <laughs> see some of these uh, these sites and everything. So before we move on from Goff, though, one of the things he was known for the most other than designing the ride was that when they brought in the uh, bulldozers and everything to dig the initial route for the river for the Jungle Cruise, he actually went in front of like the bulldozer and traced out the outline of the river with a stick. And so he just went through the Anaheim dirt and just drug a stick through it and drew the outline. And that's what they used to dig. And then when they were done with that side, he'd go to the other side and line out the other side of the river. And I just found that to be such like a weird fact of like these rides are, you know, it's an older ride. It's from the 1950s. But still, it's like you think it's like, oh, it's not that long ago. And it's like we were he was using a stick to just draw it out. And it just it just tickles me. It's very, very funny. 
I wish that they had known what a big deal every background piece of the making of Disneyland was going to be, because if they could have that stick in a glass case over by the Jungle Cruise, that would be something that would be the most exciting stick to see in a glass (laughs) showcase ever. For sure. For sure. All right. The next person I want to talk about is Bill Evans, who is actually Walt's uh, landscaper for his house that he then, again, he takes someone from one profession and puts them in something else. He actually hired Bill Evans as the lead architect for the landscaping piece of it. And so he was really important in bringing the exotic plant life and everything to the riverside. Because obviously in Anaheim, California, it's super dry. They don't have all of these kind of exotic plants. So they went out and found all these exotic plants to line the riverbed and really give it that exotic jungle ride. So I wanted to give a shout out to Bill Evans because he was super crucial to the design uh, along with uh, Harper Goff. Well, because that's obviously such a huge piece of the Jungle Cruise. If you take out all of the plants that makes the jungle, you're left with a big dirt lot with animatronic animals and highways in the background in the distance. Exactly. All that foliage really helps immerse you in the experience. Exactly, exactly. The last uh, person that I really wanted to give a shout out to, and we'll start with this. So when the ride was initially started, it started out as just a very educational ride through the jungle where the skipper would take you through, teach you about what you're seeing. Obviously, you're not seeing real animals, but they would still tell you all these educational and just awe-inspiring like facts about what you were seeing. But In 1977, 1978, the ride was taken down and renovated. This was due to a man that you mentioned in the Pirates episode, for those of our keen listeners out there, known as Mark Davis. Mark Davis was a legendary animator in Disney, and he pivoted from animation to the theme park world, where he helped redesign most of the scenes and script for the Jungle Cruise, and then also a few of those scenes that we talked about in the Pirates episode two weeks ago. So this pivot also coincided with improvements in animatronics that allowed him to update a lot of the animals at the same time. Some of those being the elephant animatronics and gave them the ability to spray water and also to get a wider range of motion. So Mark Davis was instrumental in making the ride that we know today. To me, Mark Davis makes this ride because I will say, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the Jungle Cruise in general in a world where we have the Kilimanjaro Safari and can actually see the live animals. For me, the whole ride value with the Jungle Cruise, as I was saying before, is in the presenter-led content, which is all of these great dad puns that are throughout the whole ride, that all of that was Mark Davis's hands in this ride. And I will say too, I mean, when you're looking at, like you were saying, the Elephant animatronics were kind of one of the big areas that he changed. I would rather look at more of a, for lack of a better word, animated animatronic with like an elephant sitting on its butt and laughing Uh than just a straight up realistic, quote unquote, animal animatronic when I could be over at Animal Kingdom looking at real elephants. Exactly, exactly. And it's almost the uncanny valley when you just see like these elephants of just like sitting there. But when they're on their butt and they're like, it's more of the comedy aspect, it really sort of brings you out of that, I feel like a little bit more and really brings you into like, okay, this is a good time. This is fun. So yeah, Mark Davis was super instrumental in all that. And so we definitely want to thank him for all the beautiful jokes that he helped integrate. And then just the way that he redesigned those scenes was just gorgeous. So 
Again, sure. that happened in 1977 and 1978, but that is actually after the Disney World version opened, which was in 1971. And this actually, again, was an opening day attraction at Disney World as well. And like at Disneyland, was an instant classic. It's a classic ride. And I think Mark Davis really made it timeless and why it is still as popular as it is today. We can't talk about the history without mentioning the bad side of it. Now, just along the same lines as the Pirates ride, there were a lot of bad stereotypes and really poor representation that were a part of this ride originally. Bad representation of indigenous cultures showing various scenes, really just bad, bad things that just don't really reflect where we are today and where we should have been at that point, but we just weren't. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the sad parts of this ride. And then like with Pirates that I was talking about in our last episode, there are great elements of comedy in both ride. And then there are some scenes that weren't funny then, they're not funny now, and they needed to change because like you said, they're problematic. And these changes, uh, a lot of them were in January 2021. So really not that long ago. So if we've got some listeners that haven't been to Disney World in a while, you know, the next time you do go and ride it after listening to this podcast, you might say, well, this isn't what I remember. And this would be why. So there are two main ones that I want to talk about a little bit. So there was a scene where tribal people are being chased up a tree by a rhinoceros. And then you've got hyenas in the background laughing. Of course, the hyenas are hilarious, just like from The Lion King. Great. But seeing those people being chased up the tree, again, just a bad look, a poor, bad stereotype of indigenous cultures. So they've replaced those with skippers. And so there's this whole storyline now about these skippers that had lit off this voyage onto the Jungle Cruise, gotten uh, stranded, and then they are the ones being chased up the tree by the rhinoceros. You still have the beautiful moment of the hyena laughing, which always gets a chuckle out of me. Yeah, no, that's a funny scene. And honestly, the story of the skippers being treed, I think, is better storytelling with the ride anyway. It's actually a story now that you can follow like from beginning to end a lot, especially when you're listening in the queue, reading stuff in the queue, which we'll get into in a little bit. The other one that I really want to focus on was at the very end of the ride. There's a very famous animatronic that used to be there that was known as Trader Sam. Trader Sam has now been removed for good reason again, and he actually used to have a shop of shrunken heads. Now that has now been changed to Trader Sam's Lost and Found, and his animatronic, like I said, has been removed. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there are some, you know, added ape or monkey animatronics there now that are sort of uh, playing around throughout the ride and everything. So it adds for, you know, new jokes talking about like lost and found, like don't leave your stuff as you're leaving the ride. Otherwise, Trader Sam will then sell it and everything. So again, it's the same humor. You get a lot of the same stuff without having to have the super poor taste animatronic of Trader Sam, that sort of thing, you know? Right. And you can still have a discussion of a character of Trader Sam without the offensive characterization of the animatronic. Exactly. That is a lot of the history that I said. Again, like we talked about, there's beautiful documentaries on this ride. There's so many videos out there. So if you want to learn more, I would definitely highly suggest going to watch that uh, Disney documentary on it. Beautiful behind the scenes history on that ride. But now it's my favorite part of this entire episode, reading the official description from Disney's website. Are you ready? Let's board the ship and bring on the dad puns. Embark on a river cruise where dangerous beasts and dry wit abound. 
board a canopied tramp steamer piloted by your trusty skipper, who will expertly navigate you through some of the world's most treacherous waters. Steam past lush foliage, butterflies and waterfalls on the Amazon in South America. Glimpse an abandoned camp overrun by curious gorillas on the shores of the African Congo. Watch for angry hippos, hungry lions, and sleeping zebras along the Nile, and be on the lookout for a missing jungle cruise vessel and its helpless passengers. As the cruise continues down the Mekong River, you just might learn that the jungle always gets the last laugh. It's a 10-minute, 10,000-mile journey that you won't soon forget. You hear that, kids? The zebras are are just sleeping. It's totally not the lions enjoying their favorite meal, zebra on the rocks. I could literally spend 20 minutes reading off all of the jokes, but it just doesn't do it justice. And so we'll talk about a couple of my favorite jokes here shortly. I just, I want to go ahead and preface this. I'm not going to sit here and read all these jokes because it ruins the experience. You've got to see the visual gags and really hear it. And oh man, the sleeping zebra one, fantastic. (laughs) So a little bit more about this ride. This ride, like we talked about, is a 10 minute boat ride with no height requirement that is actually open to all heights and ages. Each of the boats can accommodate up to 30 guests, plus the ever talkative river guide. And I'll be honest, I did not know this. I don't know why I didn't know this. The boat is actually seated on a track. The only thing that the skipper controls is the speed going forward and back as necessary. I've always seen the skipper spinning that wheel. No idea. I thought it was almost like, you know, when you go on like a log ride and there's bumper edges, basically. And as long as you stay in those bumper edges, you're good. You'll bump up to one side or the other. Never even thought about the fact that they're just spinning a wheel just for show. Absolutely did not put that together. (laughs) It's a glorified Tomorrowland speedway in the water. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. The other thing that I wanted to point out is that I didn't realize this, but I don't know why I'm surprised. There are actually two other versions beside the Disneyland and the Disney World, one at Hong Kong Disney and one at Tokyo Disneyland. The interesting fact about Tokyo is that it's actually the only version to run in the opposite direction. Oh, so it's like a clockwise instead of a counterclockwise deal? Exactly. And I believe I heard somewhere that there's more of a story, I think, with the Hong Kong one, which was super. I didn't want to focus on it too much because, again, I like to focus on the Disney World one as one that I've ridden. But from what I was looking at, it seems like there's almost like a Hong Kong a story on that ride. That's basically like the battle of fire and water. And so they tell this like beautiful like story that's different. You know, there's still the comedy aspect on all of the rides, but it's just like a different story. So, yeah, if you are ever out there definitely ride it because it's going to be different. So if we ever go to Hong Kong, we're definitely riding it. <laughs> I mean, that definitely sounds interesting. I would be down for a, a new Jungle Cruise experience. Oh, yeah. It's the same but different. I think that's at the end of the day. It's the same, but we always love the backside of water. And you know, my favorite part when talking about some of these rides is incidents that actually happen on these rides. So not anything crazy that I was able to find, but there are actually two instances of a boat sinking on this ride and you would think really how does this happen i'm not sure what happened but two boats sank one was in 2004 and one was actually pretty recently february 2020 so (laughs) were these like boats filled with park guests that sank correct no one was hurt people i don't think they sank fully under the water because you got to think the water's really not that deep in the grand scheme of things So I think the biggest issue was that people just got their like socks and shoes wet and everything and had a good laugh Mm. because 
According to what I was reading, the boats were repaired and actually returned to the convoy very rapidly. So these two boats sank, they got whatever needed to be fixed on them, and they put them right back into rotation. And I think you can still see some of them uh, today. That's so cool. That would be a, uh, as the kids would say, a TikTok worthy moment. <laughs> you got to think, man, you've got to at least get season passes out of that. Oh, if your socks are just getting wet. Eh, they'll I just don't be know, like, man. Oh. Disney magic, like man, a, they'll pull out all the stops for you. It's like a one twelfth splash mountain, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this brings me, that's enough about the ride. The fun facts. There's a lot of really good fun facts and Easter eggs about this ride. So one thing about the Disneyland version that I actually learned from the documentary, which I thought was interesting, Jungle Cruise in Disneyland is actually right behind his apartment. So one of the first nights that they turned on the jungle noises, they forgot to turn them off. And so Walt could not sleep the entire night because the sound of monkeys and birds (laughs) and jaguars and everything else Literally kept him up all night. And I don't know why that just really made me laugh. Just to think about Walt just in his apartment, just trying to get some sleep. He puts on his nightcap and then the monkeys are keeping him up. He's just so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's also his own fault. He put the apartment on top of the fire station. So, of course, whenever there's a fire on Main Street, the bells are going (laughs) off and that's going to wake him up, too. Exactly. Too much that Disney magic ringing through in the night (laughs) exactly and the next thing that i had was that the ride actually used to be called the jungle river cruise and is actually still called that in hong kong but then all the other sites have shortened it obviously to jungle cruise not really Hmm. sure why never found out why other than maybe it just became a thing where people just started shortening it and then they just decided you know what we'll just shorten it to match what everybody already calls it that sort of thing we're too impatient we can't say those extra couple syllables <laughs> those extra couple letters are killing us we could be living in a world where Dwayne the Rock Johnson stars in the Jungle River Cruise not the <laughs> Jungle Cruise as we have alluded to many times if you've never ridden this ride this ride is full of puns That is what makes this ride so good. This is all, you know, brought to you by the lovely Mark Davis, as we talked about earlier. And so what I learned about this, you know, you go on this ride and you think, man, these folks are funny. These skippers are funny. Skippers actually have a list of jokes, obviously, for each scene as they go through. What I didn't realize is that they're allowed to pick and choose from each of the list for each of the locations. And so that way, each skipper is going to have their own style and that no two trips in the jungle uh, are going to be the same, which I thought that was a really cool thing. Uh, You know, a lot of it you think, oh, they're just ad-libbing. They're coming up with some good stuff as they do this over and over and over again all day, but it's actually a pretty long list of jokes that they can choose from, which I always find, like, that's super interesting that you could make this ride your own as a skipper, which would be so much fun. Well, and I know one of Walt's focuses with a lot of his rides was value in going through the experience again and getting something new from the experience every time he went. I know when I was researching the Pirates of the Caribbean one, there's so many different conversations going on between the animatronics in the different rooms. And Walt loved that because you could pick up on different conversations every time you rode the ride. That's just so smart with these presenter-led rides like Jungle Cruise or your great movie ride. Because there's going to be variability in the experience every time, depending on who your tour guide is. And so being able to play into that and making the experience unique and giving at least a little bit of creative wiggle room to your guide as you journey down the river, 
it's smart and it makes it much more fun and much more fun to ride again and again. Exactly. One of my favorite jokes on the ride, again, we're not going to talk about a lot of the jokes because I don't want to spoil them. We've spoiled a lot of them already, but there's always some good ones. But if you know this ride, you know the best joke on the ride is the eighth wonder of the world, the backside of water. Ooh. (laughs) What I find interesting about this, not only is it the best joke on the ride, that the falls are actually used to mix the green dye into the water. So the water itself is green, not because it's dirty, because it actually not only to look like normal water in like a jungle, but it helps to hide the mechanics of the track that you're on from the boat perspective, but then also the mechanics of the animals. So I never had thought about that. I just thought, oh, it's just dirty water. But no, they purposefully, again, Disney magic purposely dye it and they use the falls as sort of that uh, mixing unit to mix the dye in and really get that water a nice murky green so you can't see anything and ruin that experience. Well, and definitely seeing some of the behind the scenes photos of the animatronics as they were putting them into the ride, it would really ruin the immersion if instead of seeing a hippo's legs, you saw a giant metal rod jammed into his stomach. (laughs) So it makes sense. Now there's another thing that happens every once in a while. There's a hippo pool that you go through, and there's something that some of the skippers do every once in a while. They will pull out a gun and shoot it into the air. (laughs) And you think, what the heck are they doing? Why are they shooting? It's just for show. Actually, that gunfire is actually a timing check. So it allows people to know ahead and behind, you know, this, they're shooting a gun, they're at the hippo pool. So you can really help to either speed your boat up or you can slow your boat down if you're too close perfectly worked into it without calling on the radio, without doing something obnoxious that takes you out of it. It's a perfectly scripted point where you shoot this gun to scare the hippos away and it actually means something. So I, again, love those little details that I just can't get enough of with that Disney magic. I'm afraid you're wrong, Matthew. It's actually to bullseye birds into the mouths of hippos so that they can feed. As we all know, animatronic hippos are carnivores. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about how birds aren't real, and so you're shooting animatronics for animatronics. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, that's for my other secret podcast, but we won't get into that here. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go down that. Um, talking about your ride from last time, we have pirates. Now, there's a section of Inspiration Falls that you drive by. If you go and you look on the other side, you can actually see the building that houses the pirate's ride through the section of the bamboo. But again, with the Disney magic, they specifically call your attention to Inspiration Falls and you're looking at it because the skipper tells you to, just like you do in the whole ride. And so they actually draw your attention away so that you are easily going to miss that you can see that other building and really helps you stay in the the moment, like with all these things. Classic strategy to keep the immersion and keep the Disney magic. And the last thing that I had was that this ride was one of the very first to get a holiday theming known as the Jingle Cruise in 2013. And it actually still happens every year in November and December. Have you ever had the luxury to ride on the Jingle Cruise, Ryan? No, I don't think I knew the Jingle Cruise was a thing. And now I'm upset because (laughs) I've been to Disney World at Christmas before and I have not ridden the Jingle Cruise. Yeah, so we I definitely haven't been during that time frame. So I didn't realize it was a thing either. And I don't think it's you know, it's not the most intense theming. You know, they add a lot of like Santa hats and they add lights and stuff like that, you know, on some of the scenes and everything. So it's a nice little theming. It's not anything crazy or anything like that. So yeah, next time I go, I'm definitely, if we go during that time frame, 
I'm definitely going to try to ride it because it does sound like a fun time, a fun little twist again that always keeps you coming back. I want to ride the Jingle Cruise. I also <laughs> want to ride the Christmas theming of the Haunted Mansion, which I've heard is top notch. So yeah, we'll have to plan a trip. Q for two goes to Disney in December. So join us there uh, at a December in the future and we'll sign autographs and we'll ride themed rides. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would love to bring the holiday spirit to the Q for two. <laughs> We can't talk about this ride without talking about one of the most wonderful films from 2021, starring the Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Ryan, have you seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen Black Adam. It was pretty good. (laughs) You're in the wrong year, my friend. You're in the wrong year. I will say, if you haven't seen The Jungle Cruise, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I will say, if you love the ride, definitely go back and watch the movie. The ride... The movie does a a very good job, I feel like, of representing the ride, a lot of the same puns, and I thought it was a fun little watch. It's definitely not the best movie ever, but I thought it was just a good watch, especially as a fan that loves the ride itself. So I did want to put this in here as like a nod of those that are listening that you're like, oh, I love the ride. Give the movie a try. It's a fun little watch. It's not too long. It's not in-game level of long. Just give it a little watch. And to answer your question seriously, Matthew, unfortunately, I haven't seen this film yet, but I've wanted to because, you know, I think The Rock is very fun. A lot of the movies he does are fun to watch, and I really enjoy Emily Blunt as well. And so I think their on-screen interactions, I think that would make for a fun movie. It definitely does. It definitely does. Emily Blunt was fantastic. The Rock was pretty, pretty good. I enjoyed it all around. So I did want to put that little nod in there before we jump into the Easter eggs. And I want to say there are so many Easter eggs that I could literally talk for an hour. However, I'm not going to do that because we don't have that kind of time today. (laughs) So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pull out some of my favorites that I found and then let y'all go and find your own and come back to us. So one of the first ones is outside of the ride. We're going to start there outside of the queue. There is a planter that's designed to look like a crate. That planter said Evans Exotic Plant Exporters, LLC. Referencing our beautiful architect of landscaping, Bill Evans. Disney Imagineers always end up putting things like that in this ride and then in other rides to reference the past, represent the past, the Imagineers, and really pay homage to those that paved the way before them. And so I I love seeing those kind of things and knowing about it now is like, okay, that is cool. It doesn't take away from the experience. It's not like a plaque or anything like that. It's a beautiful little reference that you wouldn't even really know. And for all the blood, sweat, and tears they put into their attractions, they deserve to have their name on it somewhere. Exactly, exactly. So next we're getting outside of the ride into the queue. So the queue has so many references and Easter eggs. And we'll get into the queue in a minute in the sense of this ride has a long wait time, which is perfect for the queue because take your time and read everything. So what we've got from an Easter egg perspective in the queue, there are actually a lot of like little references to Frank Wolf, which is The Rock's character in The Jungle Cruise. So there is a map on one of the walls that is signed FW for Frank Wolf. And not only are there references to the movie, but there are so many other references, anything from letters and postcards that are referencing the Swiss Family Treehouse, which is another attraction-esque that's in Adventureland referencing Harper Goff, the other beautiful Imagineer that helped create this ride, all the way to elixirs in the medicine cabinet, referencing the Haunted Mansion and other Disney staples such as Dumbo, which I found very Mm. interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. And that's neat that they kind of branch out of 
Adventureland into like, like you said, Dumbo and the Haunted Mansion. But I will say, I love me a good Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse reference because <laughs> that is top tier entertainment, my friend. Yeah, it is. There's so many kids running around really driving their parents insane. So, <laughs> <laughs> And talking about old live action Disney films that also were deep in my childhood. That's another VHS tape that I was checking out from the library. <laughs> so yeah, the queue is absolutely littered. Even from the sound that you're hearing, you hear these radio broadcasts over the air, and those have changed over time. And they're really telling the story that you're going to be embarking on in the Jungle Cruise. So really lean back, listen, look at everything that you can and really soak it all in because there's so many. Now we get onto the ride itself. There's a couple that I want to point out. The first one is Schweitzer Falls. There's a beautiful joke about Schweitzer Falls that says it's named for the historic Dr. Falls. The classic, oh, man. the classic natural phenomenon, Schweitzer. <laughs> now, Schweitzer Falls was actually named after the historic Albert Schweitzer, who is a philanthropist. And just an all around, I think it was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. That was part of history. And so they took that and, you know, added a line of the skipper humor. So it's a a reference to him, but then also, you know, gives you that moment of the skipper humor uh, where they can make those a couple of jokes about it. And so it's a beautiful moment of reverence and also humor that we love in this ride. You know, for how many times I've heard that joke, I've never actually looked up who it's truly (laughs) named after. So that's exactly. that's interesting. That's fun to <laughs> fun to know. Other things that we got. So the camp that I never had noticed, there are crates of dynamite. Now, Ryan, do you happen to remember anything about these crates of dynamite? Maybe about what is written on these crates of dynamite? I'm going to guess dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> you would be almost correct. So the dynamite in these camps says, oh, I don't know how to pronounce it. So bees bear with me. We're going to say Lightum and Hide Explosives Company which is actually a fictional business from Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Oh. So yeah, spoiler alert, that'll be a future episode coming down the line. So, But I thought that was a cute little nod. Again, we love rides that reference other rides, and that's just another one. That's very cool. It's always, like you said, always fun to have a nod to another attraction within an attraction. Yep. There are two more. So one of the chimp animatronics is actually now holding a map. On that map is actually an image of Disneyland's Jungle Cruise. So an ode to the original, the OG, which I thought was a gorgeous thing. You know, it's not just a random map. It's actually, you know, that Jungle Cruise map, which I thought was cool. That's cool. And the last one that you go through, you go through a dark tunnel. It's a real spooky temple and it's named Sher Lee Temple. And I never put that together until I saw it written out, referencing the wonderful Shirley Temple. Never put it together. (laughs) I've never seen a Shirley Temple movie, but those commercials from our childhood of the Shirley Temple box set are burned into my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we get to our favorite part after the Easter eggs. We've got hidden Mickeys. There are a lot of hidden Mickeys. Again, I couldn't verify all of them, so please take them with you know, a grain of salt. Uh, But if you've got any pictures, I'd love to see them. So there are a lot on this ride, supposedly. So we'll start with the base of the pole that we talked about, the tree where the skippers are being chased up by the rhinoceros. There are actually three rocks that form a hidden Mickey. Now this bank, if I'm not mistaken, is a lot of rocks on this bank. So again, could just be three rocks that just happen to be (laughs) next to each other, that sort of thing. But I've heard some people say it's pretty clear, some people uh, not so much. So 
I will say I did see a picture of this next one. So there is a boat that is sinking that is called the Suwannee Lady. There's actually a cast iron frying pan that's hanging from the top. In that cast iron frying pan, there is a rusty hidden Mickey. So that one they say is a little depends on the light on how you see it. But if you look in that, it's just a rust mark that's part of the cast iron. And it actually is a pretty clear hidden Mickey when you do get a chance to see it. That's cool. The crashed plane scene that we go to. If you look at the rear half of the crashed plane as you go by it, there actually is supposed to be a hidden Mickey formed by three small dents. Um, Now, again, small dents could be anything, but people say when you do catch it in just the right light, it is a pretty clear uh, hidden Mickey on the backside of that plane. Gosh, that one sounds like it'd be real subtle. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. And I couldn't find any pictures of it, but it sounded like it was a pretty like, they didn't really specify how big the dents were. You know, you're assuming they're probably baseball size. You know, I can't imagine someone seeing quarter size dents from that far away. So you'd think like baseball size. But yeah, if anybody's got pictures, send them our way. There are two more that uh, I think are pretty clear. So just before exiting the Shirley Temple, You can look to the left side of the boat and you will spot a series of stone pillars, one of which features a large portion of rock that has crumbled away. The eroded rockwork actually forms a hidden mini featuring her large bow and head tilted slightly to the side so that you can see her nose, which I've never seen. So I'm going to have to keep my eyes out for that one. Yeah, I've definitely never noticed that before either. So I'll have to check that out the next time I'm uh, on the Jungle Cruise. Yep. And then the last one is that last and found shop that we talked about. I believe I've seen this one. There are actually three colored balls that you can see one red, one green, one blue, and they're hanging from like a netting. And those are forming the famous uh, Mickey symbol. And I feel like those are definitely pretty clear. I definitely feel like I've seen those. But again, all of the rest of them, take them with a grain of salt. If you've got any pictures, we'd love to see them. And if you've got any more that I missed, please share them. Because again, hidden Mickeys are beautiful. And everybody sees different things. So I'd love to see whatever you've got. So last but not least, we'll get into some tips and tricks that we've got for this ride. So what I said earlier is that the ride has a long wait a lot of the times. The average wait is actually about 50 minutes. And a lot of people would say that's not worth it. I definitely would because of the queue. However, I will say during some of the hotter months, the queue is covered, but it's actually still out in the open. They have fans, but they don't do a lot especially because a lot of the queue lines are pretty compact in there. So I'm just warning you that if it is in the dead of summer, you are going to be sweating, uh, surrounded by a lot of people that are also sweating. Just try to, you know, enjoy yourself, soak in that queue and really read everything because it's either a joke, a reference to something, an Easter egg or both. Then I would say, like we talked about, because the ride is going to be different every single time, ride this ride as many times as you can in a reasonable thing. Obviously, I wouldn't say ride it six times in one day back to back to back to back. But if you do have that because the line is non-existent, you're going to get a new experience every single time because you'll have a new skipper, you'll have new jokes, you'll get new timing. You know, sometimes you'll see an elephant spraying water and sometimes you'll see him kind of giving you a little splurt of water compared to a huge stream of water. So not only you get new jokes, you get animatronics in different places. It's all kinds of good like that. And then the last one that I'll just say is laugh and have a great time. The jokes are corny, but let yourself laugh. Don't roll your eyes. Just enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy it. And if you've got a skipper that you absolutely love, because like Ryan, like you said earlier, this is one of the few rides that's left that's actually led by someone. If you find a skipper that you absolutely adore and just absolutely gives a great show, 
laugh at their jokes. And then after you get off the ride, remember their name. They'll tell you their name. You can fill out a survey on the Disney website and you can basically tell Disney this person did a fantastic job. And that goes for all of the rides. That goes for all of the park attendees you see, all the pictures. I do want to put that out there. If you've never done that, it takes like a minute, two minutes, but you can make these people's day and you prove to the management that these people are doing a great job. And I feel like specifically with the Jungle Cruise, I absolutely love to give my skippers that do a fantastic job and really put every bead of sweat into it. I try to give them as great reviews as I can because again, one of the few rides that's actually human, like person let. And so they are putting it out there all day, 10 minutes at a time over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think it's nice for those Disney employees, those cast members that go the extra mile to try to make your vacation experience magical. I'll say some of my favorite Disney World trip memories are because a cast member took an extra few minutes out of their day to go the extra mile and make the experience that much better. And so taking that minute to give back and thank them for the experience that they're providing you is just a super nice thing to do. I I will say if I were in that position and I got a thank you from a guest for the types of things I was doing with a ride experience, that would make me feel really good about what I was doing and only make me want to continue to provide those magical moments for people. Exactly. So those are the tips that I've got for this ride. Anything that you want to add, any other experiences that you've had on this ride, Ryan, that you want to tell the people before we get out of here? So I don't know that this would really be a tip. I can share my experience for how I got on this ride the last time I was at Disney World. Okay. Again, I wouldn't necessarily call this a tip because this was a gamble, so I wouldn't bank on this. But as I mentioned before, the Jungle Cruise for me isn't a must ride every time I go. But this last time I was at Disney World, I did really want to ride because I hadn't been on the Jungle Cruise since they had done the revisions. So I did really want to get the new ride experience and see the changes to the attraction. So I got the Genie Plus experience for getting the like, you know, new version of the fast passes for going on the ride. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a priority for Amanda and I for what rides we were wanting to go on. So I want to say it was at like three, four o'clock in the afternoon. We were waiting in another queue and I was doing the old classic refreshing the app every 10 seconds. And uh, I ended up snagging one last FastPass experience for right before the park closed. And I actually got on the last boat of the night at the Jungle Cruise. And that was just kind of a fun experience because we got to see them like when they finished up our cast member that was basically showing us around being the being our skipper. We kind of got to see them close up the attraction and then be like, all right, hope you all had had fun. But go towards the park exit. <laughs> and it, that was just kind of fun. And it was, I mean, I walked right on the attraction. I didn't wait at all for it. So it ended up working out really well for me. But I also, I wouldn't really say it's a tip because you can't bank on that. I think that was kind of a a one-time lucky grab. But hey, if you're if you're not having the time to ride it, keep refreshing that app and maybe you'll be able to snag a, snag a late fast pass in the game. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, that is all I've got for the Jungle Cruise. Ryan, I will let you get us out of here. Well, that queue went faster than expected. We hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new about the backside of water. 
As always, we'd love to hear your experiences with this attraction or any fun facts you have. Feel free to join our Discord server and join the conversation, or shout at us on Twitter or Instagram at q for 2 That's at Q-U-E-U-E underscore F-O-R underscore T-W-O at q for 2 You can also drop a comment on our YouTube channel. All of the links can be found in the episode description below. Now go catch that ride, and we'll see you in the next Q for Two. Now watch your step, and if you can't watch your step, watch your language. There's kids around. Bye-bye. <laughs>